plants can change the world. And they've been doing it for years. You know, I went vegan over a decade ago and ran dozens of marathons in a wild pursuit to prove to myself that it was possible to ditch meat and be healthier than ever. My guests today have done tremendously more than me, and they are here to share even more incredible stories. This is the 5AM Miracle, episode number 397, the plant-based athlete with Matt Frazier and Robert Cheek. Good morning, I am Jeff Sanders, and this is the podcast dedicated to dominating your day before breakfast. My guests today are seasoned plant-based athletes who have written the book on what it takes to thrive without eating meat. Matt Frazier is the founder of No Meat Athlete, and Robert Cheek is the founder of Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness. Together, they are the authors of the new book, The Plant-Based Athlete, A Game-Changing Approach to Peak Performance. And now here is my interview with Matt Frazier and Robert Cheek. I want to begin today with just a quick highlight reel for each of you. So Matt, we'll begin with you. Uh, kind of give us a sense of what you do in the world of plant-based athletics. Sure. So uh, about 12 years ago when I decided to start eating a vegetarian diet, not yet a vegan diet, um, I'd been trying to qualify for the Boston Marathon for six years or so at that point and, uh, you know, got just ethically motivated to become vegetarian. I didn't know what it would do to my running, but I was going to try it and write, a, you know, share what I was doing. So I decided to start a blog that was called No Meat Athlete. Uh, and I started it because I couldn't find a lot of information, you know, that I was looking for, like what, what would this diet do to my running? Um, so I started it and it turned out that my diet worked really well. Uh, I qualified for Boston within six months of going vegetarian. And then <clears throat> with inspiration from people like Robert, actually, um, I kept going with it and went went vegan over the next two years, got into ultra running. Uh, I just kept experiencing really great results, like from my recovery times and, and lack of injuries. Uh, so I ran a couple 50 milers, I ran a 100 miler. And uh, anyway, then, then kind of just, um, you know, really kind of doubled down on No Meat Athlete and that became my my living and i've started some other businesses within the plant-based space as well uh and nowadays i'm just a a, a dad of two really great plant-based athletes and i do plenty of um sports myself with especially these days as you like a lot of kettlebell kettlebell training and stuff um not so much running anymore but uh but yeah that's that's it and now i'm just kind of uh i feel like i'm at this phase in my career where i, I really just want to spread this message and uh that's what what i'm doing a lot now with with the new book excellent love that and uh, Robert, what about you? Yeah, thanks, Jeff. I started this uh, back in 1995, December 8th, 1995. I became vegan. I was a teenager. Uh, I was a five-sport athlete in high school. And I just really wanted to make a difference uh, for farm animals. I grew up on a farm, spent my entire life on a farm up until age 18, and, uh, and wanted to see what I could do with a plant-based diet in athletics. And so I weighed 120 pounds at the time and uh, was a, a runner, soccer player, basketball player, wrestler, and in track and field. And I just, you know, continued on with this plant-based diet and eventually spent one year running cross-country in college. It was something I was fairly good at, but what I really wanted to do was get bigger and stronger. It's just one of those things that was always compelling to me, and I was always driven to do that. And so I started lifting weights, and it was it was kind of laughable at the time, I mean, to to imagine that one day – I would be a, a champion vegan bodybuilder, but that's what I envisioned as a teenager lifting weights. And, and sure enough, I did. I, I became a, a multiple time 
champion vegan bodybuilder and I put on 100 pounds. I, I've been as heavy as 220 pounds uh, in recent weeks. And I started veganbodybuilding.com back in 2003 and uh, spent a lot of years on tour talking about this, uh, talking about my story of transformation from skinny farm kid to champion vegan bodybuilder. And, and Matt was in the audience one of those times about a decade ago. And, and, and that was great. And, and so many other people I've been able to connect with through that journey, either who inspired me and, and I was in the audience listening to them or, or throughout my speaking tours, uh, connecting with people who came to see me. And, and through this connecting and through these relationships, uh, I've, I've met a lot of amazing plant-based athletes. And, and, and one of the, the reasons for this new book, The Plant-Based Athlete, was to tell those compelling stories of the world's greatest plant-based athletes. And so that's what I've been really fixated on for years now, like getting to know these athletes, uh, you know, the, the Scott Jurek's of the world, Dante Bausch's of the world, uh, Rip Esselstyn, Brendan Brazier, Rich Roll, Fiona Oaks, these, these names that come to mind. And uh, and tell their stories. So like Matt, I've written books about my story. I've written a few of them already about my vegan bodybuilding journey. But with this particular new book, we wanted to tell everybody else's story. And, and quite frankly, and Matt would be the first to say this, that all these athletes we wrote about are, are far greater athletes or far better athletes than, than we ever were. And, uh, and there's a lot to be learned from them. So, so here I am a, a quarter century later, uh, uh, no meat, no problem. You know, protein hasn't been an issue for me to put on 100 pounds and fulfill my goals of becoming a champion bodybuilder. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm honored to be here today talking to you, Jeff, and, and be here with Matt as a co-author for this really, really exciting new book. You know, one thing that's interesting about my journey going vegan was one of the very first questions that I had before I made the leap was, can I be a strong vegan? And the first book I read, Robert, was your book, Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness. And that was the kind of a confirmation that I needed personally to make that leap. Because for whatever reason, the back of my head, maybe it's just the marketing of, of protein or this idea of, of masculinity, maybe like I wanted to prove to myself before I did the, you know, the leap in the diet that it was possible to be a strong vegan. So I want to just personally thank you for kind of the work that you do, because I think it's, it's really inspiring. Well, thanks, Jeff. I appreciate that. And, and I didn't know that. So thank you for sharing. And and that's, you know, that's just one of the rewarding experiences uh, from doing this for so long. I, I mean, Matt and I combined have been doing this for more than 35 years. And just to be able to hear those stories and knowing that it does, it does have an impact on other people, on readers, on listeners. And, and that's why we're doing podcasts like this too. It's just a way to share. Uh, yes, there are our first person anecdotal stories, but there's still stories, you know, there's still examples, there's still proof, there's still validation, there's still real world experiences of success with a plant based diet. And that's really what we're trying to communicate. It's not that, you know, a plant-based diet is best or better or we're better than anybody else. It's it's that you don't have to uh, sacrifice your fitness goals, you know, with a plant-based diet. You can still achieve them. And in fact, maybe you'll have even greater longevity, perhaps better energy and uh, and recover better along the way. And we have compelling reasons to believe that might be the case for a lot of people. So uh, so thanks, Jeff, for sharing that. And I, I'm so glad that uh, that old school book resonated with you back then. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's so good. It's interesting to, to hear that now, just because I think 10 years ago, like that, that was a, a super common question when you thought about going vegan. I mean, that, vegan was a weird thing back then. Uh, and maybe to some people it still is, but I feel like it has in those past 10 years, it has changed so much that that especially now with this with the term plant based, which, you know, we, we it wasn't a coincidence that we picked that as the title, because I think it's I think it has a little bit more of a of a health and strength 
um, fitness, you know, kind of connotation in people's minds anyway. And uh, yeah, I just, I think it, it really shows how far we've come. Like that, that question, people probably still ask that. I'm sure, surely they do plenty, but uh, it's, it's a lot different. I think that it's a lot different, uh, you know, context than it was back then. Yeah, certainly is. So let's get to you guys. New book is called the plant-based athlete, a game changing approach to peak performance. Uh, let's just start with this kind of, I guess, the, the baseline question, which would be why is being plant-based as opposed to other diets that are out there? Why is the plant-based diet good for performance and good for athletics? Like what is the the plant advantage in terms of fitness? Yeah, I mean, this this has come up so many times during the 10 years or 12 years now that I've done No Meat Athlete. And I think like, I mean, before I get, to, and, I, and I will uh, will give you a specific answer, but I think one of the important things, like at least for me, like what I really love about this book is that like, I feel like what we do, like this puts the plant-based diet on par with everything else as like a viable alternative. Like, and if that's what this book does and people, you know, don't ultimately buy the message that a plant-based diet may actually offer you an advantage in sports, um, but just, it can be as good and it should be considered along with all these other options. And it happens to have, you know, some, some really great benefits in terms of like the longevity of your years of good performance, um, uh, which is perhaps the, the, the biggest possible benefit, uh, that it can offer an athlete. Um, you know, and then in addition to just like the long-term health span stuff, you know, once you're maybe done sports, but hopefully you're never done sports, but you know, just, just in terms of years of, of life without, uh, debilitating disease or illness, you know, the plant-based diet, you know, has, has that going forward as well, but specifically like short-term fitness, what it does for me, I think it's all about recovery. Um, anecdotally, that's what I noticed is that like, I was able to put in these, all these hard running workouts that I had tried to do before and I could do any one of them before. The problem was as soon as I would do that for a couple of weeks or a month, if I was lucky enough to get that far, then the inevitable injury would, would creep up. Once I started eating vegetarian, not even vegan yet, uh, that's, that's when that stopped. And that's when I was able to train the way I wanted to and not get injured. And I've heard that story so many times from other plant-based athletes. So, um, and I just, I only saw it more as I went, um, vegan and got, you know, more and more conscious about the foods that I was putting in my body to help with recovery. And I mean, it's pretty, you know, when you think about these foods, the anti-inflammatory benefits and the antioxidant capacities of these foods compared to animal-based products, they're just so much greater in plants. And to me, plants, well, not to me, but plants are, are nutrient dense. They're not that calorie dense compared to animal products. So your body's getting what it needs with fewer, you know, overall calories that needs to digest, to get those nutrients. And, and that just spells, that's a recipe for faster recovery. And if you talk to any of these plant-based athletes, like the ones in the book, um, you know, Brendan Brazier was talking about this back in the day before almost anybody else that for him, he tried a bunch of different diets in high school when he wanted to become a pro triathlete. And the one that allowed him to get in the most workouts per week, and you know, for him, it might have been you know ten or fifteen workouts in a week, um, compared to his competition was maybe only getting seven or nine or something like that. Uh, he said the plant-based one was the one that allowed him best to do that. So I really think it's about recovery, uh, and then along with that, what I said earlier that just the extension of of your good years, uh, to me, that's the the huge benefit that it offers. Yeah, certainly. I know plant-based diets in general offer just such incredible potential recovery. I think as, a, as such a key one because I've had a long history of injuries. I'm probably because I just pushed too hard, but the diet is giving you the advantage to bounce back and work out again and work out 
more, you know, a, a higher level is such a powerful thing. Uh, let's go through some examples. Your book, I know, goes through lots of different plant-based athletes. So maybe, Robert, you can share for us a few of the athletes you guys highlight and, and kind of how the, the plant-based diet allows these athletes to, to compete at a pro level. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. And just really quickly, one sentence to add to what Matt said. For me, it's the nutrients per calorie. Like that's like that's the end, you know, game over. You know, you get more nutrients per calorie. That's just going to benefit your overall health, your performance, your recovery, your everything. And that's one of the key themes in the book. And that leads exactly into what you just asked about. There are, are so many athletes, and, and I personally interviewed over 60 world-class plant-based athletes for this particular book who came to a plant-based diet because of the recovery benefits. These are athletes like uh, like, like uh, Sharon Feichman, who's playing in Roland Garros right now. You know, she's in the, I don't know, the quarterfinals or semifinals or something. She's a, a women's professional tennis player. I just saw on Instagram yesterday. She's, you know, she keeps moving along in the tournament. Uh, she had to walk away from tennis completely, much like Venus Williams did. I mean, they had to actually stop playing tennis because of autoimmune disease or because of uh, inflammation that they, they couldn't even play anymore. And they both came to a plant-based diet. They both were able to recover, feel better than ever. And in, in the case of Venus, you know, went on to win Wimbledon and Olympic gold medal the very next year. And Sharon Feichman, who's competitive right now and, and top, ranked in the top 50 in the world in doubles, if not uh, higher uh, at this point in her career, uh, the same thing. She was unable to... Uh, even play, walked away from a, a sport she'd been playing since she was six years old. And now she's at the peak of her athletic career. Not only that, uh, her fiance is a, a Olympic silver medal winning figure skater uh, who has now uh, adopted a plant-based diet. And I just learned like just a week ago that he is now partnering with Megan Duhamel, who's an Olympic gold medal winning figure skater who's in, in our book. And, and now they're like this plant-based figure skating team. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's really cool. And and there's so many other stories, I mean, from from Fiona Oaks, who has Guinness World Records and lo long distance running and was told as a kid, you know, because she was she didn't have a, a, a kneecap in her right knee that she would, you know, probably wouldn't walk properly or certainly not run. And to go on and to set uh, Guinness World Records in marathons and, and become an elite runner in the UK and now five decades into a plant based diet is really incredible. And then there's Jahina Malik who has been vegan since birth and is a IFBB professional bodybuilder. And, and this, I, what I love about Jahina's story is that it completely puts the protein story or the protein myth to rest because here, here is someone who is at the top of her sport as a professional bodybuilder who's never consumed animal protein from meat, dairy, eggs, or otherwise in her life. And, and furthermore, she has four siblings who are all athletes as well and have all been plant-based since birth, vegan since birth. And, and the list goes on. We even have an Olympic uh, Olympic medalist who's been vegan since birth, um, Kevin Hill from Canada, and his sister who's a, a world champion, ultra triathlete, vegan since birth. But but And that's really inspiring. But for me, it's actually not these people who've been plant-based from from birth. It's, it's people like David Carter in the NFL who – who was, you know, a prime athlete, 25 years old, NFL lineman who had crazy inflammation, couldn't even push, push himself out of a bathtub, his joint pain was too much, uh, who adopted a plant-based diet and then saw immediate results, was completely pain-free two months later, dropped 40 pounds, was the biggest, fastest, strongest he'd ever been. 
those are the stories that I think are going to resonate with a lot of readers because not many of us have been vegan since birth, right? I mean, that, that can be inspiring to some readers like, wow, that's incredible commitment or um, I wonder what their you know childhood was like or how did they stick with it during their you know, their teenage years or whatever. But for me, it's it's you know, Robbie Ballinger who ran from California to New York in 75 days, you know, who ran three, over 3,000 miles across America, averaging something like 43 miles per day and, and what that recovery uh, was like and how he did this with a plant-based diet. Um, and also, Jeff, I just, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention one of the things that I, that I'm really just personally proud of with this book, and I think Matt would agree, is that we really went out of our way to focus on the amazing female plant-based athletes who often get un uh, overlooked and underappreciated in our movement. So it, it's not just, you know, Jahina, but there's there's Laura Klein and Vanessa Espinoza and Mary Schneider and Orla Walsh and Christine Vardaros and Harriet Davis and Natalie Matthews, and the list goes on. Uh, Dotsie Bausch, of course. And, uh, and and I think that's really that, that's really inspiring for a lot of people um, to see how many amazing female plant-based athletes there are out there and to learn their stories. What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with my sponsor, Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. Yeah, certainly. There's so many great stories of so many amazing athletes. It's it's wonderful and, and very inspiring to hear that there's so many different types of athletes doing so well on this diet. And and one kind of aspect of this that I want to dig into now would be like what is the difference, let's say like a day-to-day -day training life of someone as a plant-based athlete in terms of like how many calories you have to consume? Because obviously there's fewer calories in plants. Like how does that work into a like a rhythm of being you know fit and having a lot of of time for exercise, but also eating the right foods. Like, is there a, a plant-based approach that's the most effective in terms of what you, what to consume? I think one of the cool things, Jeff, about this book that really that I kind of learned is that there's not just one approach. Like, I think it's, it's really easy when, especially as this was like a new kind of alternative diet that not many people were doing, uh, it was easy to to like read you know Rich Roll's story or something and say, well, Rich Roll's way of doing it with with all these Vitamix smoothies and whatever else Rich did that that was like kind of his particular way. That like, oh, that's what you have to do to make a plant based diet work for sports. Uh, 
it turns out that like it it's not the case that you need to do what Rich does or what Scott Jurek does or what Robert Cheek or what I like. You know, it, it there. That's I think one of the neat things about seeing it from so many different athletes. And even in the book, there's a section at the end that's like the day in the life section where 25 of the athletes say exactly what they eat and when and how it relates to their workout and what they're doing for their workout. And you can see if you leave through that, like it's very different. What what they have in common is they're eating plant based foods, and a lot of them are choosing whole foods. Um, that's you know that's really kind of it. Like, and, and I think it speaks to the versatility of this diet. Like a lot of people think that well, if you're plant based, you must have to be really careful to do things right. But my my approach has always been that like if you're plant based, you probably need to do less things carefully because there's just such a such a you know abundance of nutrients in those foods that you can do it lots of different ways and make it work. It, it's the standard American diet that you better be pretty careful with, making sure you're getting exactly the right combination of nutrients if you want to get close to what you need from that kind of diet. Um, so I, I would say like, you know, that's, that's the big broad takeaway. Um, maybe, maybe more specifically speaking, like, I think one of the big problems that you hear people complain about when they try a plant-based diet and then a month later they'll say, Hey, I, I didn't have any energy when I did that. So I went back to my old one, which is always a shame. Um, but that happens because as we said, as I said before, plants are so much less calorically dense than animal products, meaning they have, they take up a lot of space relative to the number of calories they're providing. So you will feel full if you eat a big plant-based meal without taking in nearly as many calories as it takes you to feel full with with a you know similar meal of that's made of animal products. So what that means is like you're you're taking you're feeling like you're full at mealtime, you'll stop eating and then if you don't eat again till your next meal time and you eat the same size of meal as you would before, the same level of fullness, you're going to be taking in fewer calories. So what has what I've had to do, especially if I'm trying to put on weight, is actually eat more frequently. Because telling myself eat eat till I'm less comfortable at mealtime doesn't really work. I mean, I can't just keep eating and keeping uncomfortable. It just doesn't. I, I can do it for a little while, but it doesn't last. But what lasts for me is making a plan where I say, okay, I'm gonna eat my first meal, you know, as soon as I get up, and my last one pretty late in the day. Uh, and I'm gonna eat several snacks, and there I'm gonna make sure that I choose some calorically dense foods, like you know, nut butters or things like that that pack a lot of calories. Um, so I would say like for me like that's that's been the the trick to to getting enough. Um you know but even that it's like even that's not a constant. That's if I'm really trying hard to put on weight. But if I'm just like day to day I try to do more of like an intermittent fasting thing and I don't do the really early meal or the really late meal. Um so I don't know. I I think I think it really speaks to the to the versatility of this diet that that there really isn't one way to do it. And Robert, May, can you speak to the idea of the bodybuilding aspect of, of getting enough calories, of putting on muscle? Like, How does that process work? Yeah, really, it's something that I think probably 99% of people don't fully understand. And, and I've written this, I've written about this in, in multiple books, is the idea that you have to understand what your uh, true calorie needs are. And that's the only way you're going to be able to add mass or to burn fat and lose weight. Uh, without just having an incredible work ethic and being lucky. Uh, the only way to have any kind of control is to understand what your calorie needs are. And that's by using something like a Harris Benedict calculator, which is going to factor in your gender, age, height, weight, and activity level and say, okay, Robert, you know, at, at your you know, current age, height, weight, all the stuff, how often you train and for what duration and level of intensity, you are going to expend X number of calories per day. And so for me, it's, it's about 3,100. Um, that may seem like a lot to some people, but I guarantee uh, there are a lot of people, including non-athletes, who eat uh, three to 4,000 calories a day every day without even knowing it because of the calorie density and 
oils and fried and processed foods and sodas and things like that. So, so what does that mean for me? What that means for me is that, that it, it, if I require 3,100 calories to maintain a body weight of, of almost 220 pounds that I am today, then that means I need to consume that many calories uh, throughout the day to maintain weight. If I consume less, like lately, I've been <laughs> with the book launch and I've been, I've been more stressed and, and not eating as much and all that. And I've, I've, I've lost five to eight pounds just in the last couple of weeks. That's a direct result of my real calorie intake versus my expenditure, right? And at times when I've bulked up, it's like, well, okay, I've, I'm consuming 3,500 to 4,000 calories a day now. There's a surplus every single day for weeks on end, which is, is, you know, compounds to thousands of extra calories. And you combine that with resistance weight training and you, you, you know, put on muscle, uh, you put on mass. And so, Jeff, that's where it starts. And, and we talk about that in this book as well. You've got to understand what your calorie needs are in order to, uh, to build muscle if that's the goal. And so then from there, you pick some of those more calorie dense foods like Matt talked about. There's, uh, there's a, a whole range and we have that range in the book, a calorie density scale, because leafy greens and fruits and most vegetables are very low on the calorie density scale. Whereas legumes and grains are, and, and certain root vegetables are much higher. And then furthermore, uh, far greater calorie density are nuts and seeds and, and nut butters and, and foods like that. So, uh, so incorporating more of those foods into your diet is going to be key for putting on muscle. And, and just speaking of, of how the athlete diets vary, uh, which Matt brought up, it's important to note that, uh, for example, um, Nick Squires just set a bunch of California state records in powerlifting uh, a couple of days ago over the weekend. Uh, he's an ethical vegan, um, you know, tattoos and animal rights messages, you know, all over the place very, very strong muscular person in his weight class and in his division, he's the strongest person in California. And, you know, he eats completely differently than, um, than a figure skater or endurance runner. I mean, uh, like Matt said, there's similarities with a plant-based diet, but, you know, with someone like Nick, it's a bunch of uh, beyond burgers and kind of heavy foods. He, he weighs 225 pounds. He's going to, he's going to need those more calorie dense foods. Whereas, uh, a different type of runner, or sorry, a different type of athlete, especially with a smaller frame, will require a different amount. And, and that's why it's important to understand what your needs are, because like Matt said, there is no really universal uh, exact diet, like just Brennan Brazier's way or Rich Rule's way or Rip's way or Matt's way or my way or Fiona's way. It's, it's really uh, taking the uh, cumulative knowledge we can glean from all these different athletes and then apply... Uh, what works in our lives based on what our sports are, what our goals are. And, and that's what's, uh, what's really fascinating is to see that you can achieve the same result of becoming a champion athlete with a completely different nutritional approach than someone else. But plants are the underlying common theme that, that bonds everyone together. You brought up the uh, the Beyond Burger. I think it's a, a good kind of uh, talking point here because I know there's a lot of popularity among the Beyond Burgers, the Impossible Burgers. There's lots of companies now that have their own vegan plant-based burgers. What's the role that those would play and when you compare them to, let's say, like a Whole Foods diet? Because obviously there's going to be a, a trade-off in terms of calories and possible you know, health implications there. Where is the role of these kind of fake meat products in a, a healthy Whole Foods plant-based diet? Like, Is there a place for them just for weight gain or for calorie density, or are they just not as healthy and should we, we should avoid them? Like, Where do those fit in? 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great question. And we don't fully know the answer yet. I mean, no one knows what, like, these. they're only increasing the, the amount of these things and the, and the vegan cheeses that are showing up and the vegan eggs now. I mean, it's in, in five or 10 years, like, I think you're going to be able to eat a basically, you almost can now. You can eat a normal diet and just swap in all these plant-based versions. Um, and, like, that's kind of a cool thing. And it's great for animals and it's great for the planet. And in many cases, it's even probably a, a nutritional gain for the person uh, who's eating that way. I kind of question what's going to happen in 15 years, like if that's how everyone's eating, and then the headlines are, well, plant-based diet isn't so healthy after all, because a lot of that stuff really isn't that much more healthy, if at all, than, than you know the real thing would be. So as far as like to the individual, what's the role? Um, I think, well, Robert mentioned that like some people are going to find that a nice way to get a lot of calories. And if you're new to this diet, especially if you're kind of uncertain, it's kind of like protein powder, where like it's going to give you uh, this psychological, uh, assurance that, that, you know, you can, you can hit your numbers of calories or protein or whatever it is that you need. And like, even if you don't really need as much protein as you're worried that you do, uh, or that you've been told that you need, even if you don't actually need that much, if you believe that you do, and these protein powders or fake meats help you get that amount, that's going to help you stay on this diet long enough to eventually learn and have the confidence that, Hey, maybe I can, maybe I can get by without that. Uh, and probably you will find that you can. So I think it's it's they're especially good for people who are transitioning, people who can't imagine eating a plant based diet just because it sounds so wrong, and because their favorite foods are you know fast foods or or they really like uh, whatever grilling and and it's you you can replace uh, this and kind of get a lot of the elements of that experience. And and then the the way these things taste these days is is in many ways indistinguishable. I'm not going to say it's identical, but uh, you know, it's just come such a long way that that it's 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 not a, a lesser quality eating experience at all. Um, so I think for me that that's mainly what it like. There's really not much of a nutritional role. It's it's mainly a psychological thing that's going to help you stay with this diet longer. Uh, but you know, to be completely honest, like I have two kids, like I said, and they're picky eaters, like any other kids often are. Um, and I know that if if I serve Beyond Burgers, that they're gonna they're gonna both you know, get 700 calories in that meal when otherwise eating a, a, you know, their picky way of eating a typical plant-based meal that I'll serve, they might only get 400 calories in that meal. So I don't know if they really need those extra calories, but for me, it's it's the same thing. I still have those questions that sometimes people who are new to this diet do that says like, hey, I shouldn't say questions, but these, but these little tiny doubts in your mind that they're just there because it's been so, you know, deeply sewn into our, our <laughs> way of thinking. Um, that I'll, I'll feel good about like, yeah, the kids both got that, you know, big, good, hearty meal today. Um, so they serve that role for me. If I, if I, you know, step back and really think about it, they probably don't need that kind of food. It, they'd probably be just fine eating a much, much healthier version of a veggie burger that we've made at home or something like that. Um, but you know, on top of that, it is kind of just fun now and then to, to eat that way. Fast forward to the end of 2024 and think about your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should check out my sponsor, Babbel. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, and studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. 
Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions, without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. Yeah, certainly. I know that I've had a, I've eaten way too many of those. I would assume over the last few years. I mean, there's definitely that stigma that if I yeah if I consume that, I, I feel more full and it's it, I feel like consciously better in the moment. But then I wonder was that a good choice or not? Almost immediately. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, one other aspect I think of being a plant based athlete for me that I've experienced the last you know ten years has been. I guess you'd call it kind of the the social stigma of being a plant based athlete, which and from that to counter it with the the traditional kind of masculine perspective of you know eating a lot of meat and that's what makes you strong. I mean, maybe Robert, you can address this as a, a, as a bodybuilder. Like, have you experienced kind of a, like a blowback or kind of a, any repercussions from like having to defend veganism or defend yourself as saying like you know here's proof, like look at my muscles, like you know I can show you this works. Like, have you experienced any kind of like social challenges from that perspective? Yeah, Jeff, it's something uh, I thought about earlier in this conversation when Matt was talking about the changing landscape and, and how much has changed over the last 10 years. And I can actually take it back 25 years. And so one of the stories for me, Jeff, that comes to mind is that 25 years ago, people were legitimately really concerned about my health and well-being when I adopted a vegan lifestyle. Like this was, I mean, there was genuine fear uh, within my parents, uh, my teammates, my friends, teachers. Um, this was in the 1990s in an agriculture community. Um, there was legitimate fear that that Robert is going to suffer some sort of health consequences. We need to convince him to start eating animals again. You fast forward 25 years later, the common narrative that, that I hear, and I'm, I'm on social media a lot, uh, more than I'd like to admit, uh, I talk to people, I've been on tour for 15 years. The common theme that I hear now is that I know I should go plant-based for my health. I mean, this is completely 180 from 25 years ago and probably even 10 years ago. There, there, there was this idea, there was this association with a vegan diet or lifestyle or a plant-based diet with um, inadequacy, that you, you're going to have to supplement with all this kinds of stuff. And, and to Matt's point earlier, it's it's really the, the other way around. I mean, who's eating all the Flintstone vitamins? Who's eating all the the, the standard vitamins and pills and prescriptions and, and all of this stuff? It's, it's not those who are eating lots of leafy greens, fruits, and vegetables. It's those eating a standard American diet who are just not getting the nutrition that they really need, and, it, and they have to take all of these synthetic and artificial supplements to, to try to meet their needs and to feel well or to manage this or that problem. And regarding the, the masculinity issue, uh, that, that is something that's just always kind of there, like, you know, um, real men eat meat or whatever. And I love that Rip Esselstyn said in Forks Over Knives, real men eat plants. And that, that speaks to to me, it speaks to real, true health and longevity. I, I mean, what is what is masculine about um, not being healthy or not having you know the energy to even walk upstairs or having 
you know, potential heart issue at, at any moment, um, or being, you know, fearful of health or having, you know, blood flow issues in certain areas or whatever. There's, we don't talk about that a whole lot. We don't think about that. And partly I think because as a, at least speaking for myself, as a, as someone who identifies as a vegan, it's, it just doesn't seem like a compassionate thing to do to a, attack someone else's diet or lifestyle, especially if it's leading them to things like obesity or, or, or diseases that, um, you know, that, that are, they're very serious in their lives. Why, you know, you know, why kick someone when they're down? Why, you know, add fuel to the fire? Uh, why not uh, try to lead by example as a compassionate champion plant-based athlete and, and hope that that inspires them to uh, perhaps shift the way that they they view uh, meat or protein and things like that. And, um, and and on that note, I there was a slogan actually from Beyond Meat 10 years ago or a long time ago. Uh, I don't think they use it now, but it's, it was changing the way America meets um, be, because that's one thing that um, I think is is really common with our with our culture here in the U.S. is 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 things like meat. You know, burgers is our that that is the American food. Burgers and hot dogs, and and we may not be moving away from that. Uh, you know, we just move to a different version of that. And so uh, I think the food culture is tied into the masculinity thing as well. And the more people I think like Nick Squires, who's you know, like I said, this big you know, tough guy, tattoos, big beard, and he's a compassionate champion, power lifter, the strongest person in California in his weight class. Uh, that is the kind of message, I think, that can wake people up to the fact that you can still be masculine and, and confident and all of these things while living a compassionate vegan lifestyle. Do you think that the future of like a, a plant-based lifestyle or veganism in general, that the future of this movement is really based upon more celebrity examples? Like do most people just need to see like, you know, this, this, you know, movie star that I see on the screen, like, oh, they went vegan and that's inspiring. Do we need kind of that big societal example to be set for the average person who, who doesn't know about this to be exposed to it and make the transition? Like, is that going to be kind of the best way forward? Because your book obviously highlights so many amazing examples. Like, is that really where we're headed in terms of just let's plaster it across billboards everywhere we can? I mean, it certainly helps, right? Like that, that certainly reaches a segment of people that you really can't reach many other ways, um, or at least would inspire them to take, I mean, there are certain people who just worship celebrities in that way, that, that that's what it will take. Um, but I think Robert will probably agree with me that like, it, it kind of just takes everything. Like to me, the much more interesting, exciting example is when you know your best friend or your neighbor or someone mm. that you work out with or someone on your you know flag football team or whatever when they go plant-based because of a celebrity or because of a, a book like ours or whatever whatever it is that caused them to do it um i think when they become an example and they start eating a plant-based diet you know to lose some weight or to whatever and then they decide that they're gonna they feel so good they're gonna go run a half marathon and they haven't done something like that ever in their life and then they run a marathon um and then it just turns into this this story. And then friends are talking and coworkers are talking about how this person lost all this weight. I, I have a feeling that the depth of that kind of inspiration is much more than just, you know, that this week some Justin Bieber or whatever went vegan. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's actually happened, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> uh, so I like to think that it will it will be much closer to home than that. But uh, I don't I don't mind when the celebrities do that. That certainly helps our cause. And 
I, I think that's what we try to do with this book. It's like we try to hit the angle of the person who's going to be motivated by the athlete, uh, hearing about the the strong person, or hearing about the you know the the distance runner who they just didn't know about because like like Robert said, there just haven't been that many stories of like females who we we know a lot of male endurance runners who were kind of the the stories at the beginning of this movement. Um, but I think I think what's what's really good about this book is that just the the diversity of athletes that that are represented here. Uh, I, I really hope that like it's just going to connect with a lot of people who have not yet, uh, you know, found that specific connection, that specific athlete that's going to inspire them to want to learn everything they can about that one athlete, uh, and then that's that person kind of becomes their uh, the person that they they follow on this journey. So, for our listeners today who want to kind of make that leap to being a plant based athlete, or at least kind of dip their toe in the water, what would be a good kind of day one process to say like, okay, today I'm going to try this out? Where do they begin? Well, they begin with the plant-based athlete uh, because we <laughs> wrote that. And I'm being serious, actually, because we wrote that to be the how-to book. This is this is the penultimate how-to-be-a-plant-based-athlete book. I mean, we've written a bunch of books already, and so have Rip and and Scott and and Brendan and so many others. But this this is that ultimate resource. This is that resource to learn everything you need to know about nutrient density, calorie density, protein, carbohydrates, fats, supplementation, recovery, meal planning, and recipes all in one place. And, you know, obviously available June 15th. So it's, you know, it's available, you know, basically right now for people to get. So that, that's, that's really, to me, that's really it. Uh, I mean, you can, you can poke around the internet, you can find things, you can start incorporating more plants. Um, but even in the book, we talk about that. We talk about here's, here's how you start. You make a list of your five favorite foods in every category. What are your five favorite fruits, vegetables, legumes, grains, nuts, and seeds? Because you don't want to be uh, like, what do I eat? What do I eat today? You know, like these, you have favorite foods that you're not even thinking about sometimes. Have those around you, whether that's sweet potatoes or blueberries or, uh, you know, tofu or what, whatever it is, like have these foods uh, available. And so you can find something that you really, really enjoy all the time. And then make sure you understand the your calorie needs and making sure you get enough calories and therefore you'll get the requisite amount of protein that you need. And therefore you'll, you know, help achieve your fitness goals and all of that. So um, I, I really think that's like, that's a great place to start. Uh, we also have a bunch of beginning articles on nomeatathlete.com that Matt has written and that I have written as well. And, and those are a great place if you want a little bit more, um, maybe some more nuanced uh, information about specific types of workouts and things like that for building muscle. But uh, really, the, the, to me, the best advice is just to just to start. You know, you, you never want to be asking what might have been or put something off until later when you know it has benefits to your life. And that's what we found with a plant-based diet. And that's what Dr. Michael Greger has found who wrote the foreword for our book, that, that a plant-based diet should be the default diet until proven otherwise because of the, the myriad benefits that it provides. Uh, Matt alluded to this, you know, 64 times more antioxidants in plants than in animals. Uh, fiber only found in plants. Dietary cholesterol only found in animals. Once you start figuring some of this stuff out, you're like, oh, that makes sense. That's why I have this issue or that issue or why I'm not achieving this or why I am achieving this. And we cover it from start to finish in the plant-based athlete. And I, and I sincerely uh, think that is a great place to start. If I can add one thing, uh, Jeff, Robert talked about um, kind of just starting. And, and I think like that's really perhaps the best advice that 
that I could give someone who wants to try this. So many people like they get on, you know, Twitter or email Nomad Athlete and they'll say like, Hey, I really want to do this, but I'm worried about this and this and this, like, you know, can you, can you give me whatever assurance I need to, you know, know that that won't happen. And I'm always like, just like, just try it. And you don't need to do it hundred percent overnight. Like just start having a smoothie instead of your other breakfast or some fruit instead of your typical egg McMuffin or whatever, like just replace that one meal in the morning. And then if it's going well, replace the next meal. And then eventually you get to lunch and then eventually you get to dinner. And I think that's a really nice way to kind of begin doing it. You mentioned, Jeff, all these these vegan substitute foods that are out there nowadays. Like if if that's a better way for you, like still have your same burger for dinner, but just make it a plant-based burger. Uh, and maybe not every time, but just some of the time. I think it's a really nice way to kind of get started um, without overthinking and having it be this huge thing. The way that I began was I committed to a seven-day challenge of being, I think it was, I think it was a pescatarian diet. And I said, I'm just going to do seven days and see what it's like. So that still had some fish here or there. It wasn't too different from what I was doing. Uh, but I got to the end of it, and I felt so good that I said, okay, I'm going to do 30 days of this now because that was awesome. And I, I liked having that finish line and these little set of you know guardrails that says, like, I, I can do this, and it doesn't mean I'm stopping my old way forever. It's just a little challenge. Um, you just got to find the thing like that that works for you. But uh, whichever one is right is going to be the one that causes you like today or tomorrow, or the next day to really begin. So that doesn't turn into this huge story that you're like, you know, you should do this, but you can never make it work or you never can seem to get started. Uh, like Robert said, just, just find a way to start. It doesn't have to be a hundred percent overnight, but, but just find a way to, to make a change. I mean, to that same degree, it took me about six months to make my switch. And it was, you know, it's a process. It's not an overnight thing. Um, it, it's fun, though. It's fun, fun to see progress and fun to, to try new things. So if you like testing new ways of, of living, uh, yeah, veganism is, is definitely awesome. So, guys, this has been great. I think this book is amazing. I'm super excited you wrote this. And where can they go to get a copy of it today and to, and to really dig in uh, further? Thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate you having us on. Uh, if people are interested in the book, they can check it out at book.nomadeathlete.com. I mean, it's going to be available everywhere books are sold. Uh, but if you go to book.nomadeathlete.com, you'll see this list of bonuses that Robert and I have put together, um, including some some extra meal plans, a live video Q&A, the secret chapter about, chapter about how to gain muscle uh, very fast, and finally a little accountability workshop, uh, which is funny enough because Jeff, you and I used to be accountability partners. We used That's to meet right. every week to, uh, to discuss what we, were, what we were doing and hold each other accountable. So um, all that stuff is available. You can get the details about it at book.nomadeathlete.com. Uh, or like I said, anywhere books are sold um, after June 15th, it, it will be there. Okay, excellent. I'll make sure to have the links in our show notes this week. But uh, once again, Matt and Robert, thanks a lot. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. Really an honor. And for that action step this week, Start your plant-based journey today by grabbing your copy of The Plant-Based Athlete. Matt, Robert, and I have all been vegan athletes for years, and there's no doubt you can join the thriving community of healthy plant-based athletes who are truly reaching peak performance. JeffSanders.com slash 397 is the place to go to get the episode notes. Also, go to 5AMMiracle.com to join the 5AM Club and get free email updates about the show. That's all I've got for you here on the 5AM Miracle Podcast this week. Until next time, you have the power to change your life, and the fun begins bright and early.
Hey, it's Jeff Sanders, and I'm here to tell you about Greg McEwen and his amazing show, The Greg McEwen Podcast, part of the Yap Media Network. Want to achieve more by doing less, all while avoiding burnout? You can design a life that really matters with Greg McEwen, author of New York Times bestsellers, Effortless and Essentialism. His mission is to help you advocate and negotiate your way to remarkable results. Every Tuesday, Greg discusses one key topic he finds interesting and valuable through the lens of the essentialist. Every Thursday, he invites thought leaders, entrepreneurs, celebrities, and people like you for inspired weekly conversations focused on learning how to do what matters first and do less but better. His content will stir your thoughts and spark inspiration and action. And his British accents, well, that's just the cherry on top. Subscribe to the Greg McEwen podcast today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.